What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam, Matt Sells, back from Vegas, still in one piece. We don't even want to know what happens in Vegas. Stays in Vegas after the FSGA conference, but they are back. But we are not alone as we are welcoming in Britt Flynn. And you can give her a follow on Twitter at Britt underscore F-L-I-N-N. She's writing on FantasyAlarm.com for Fighting Chance Fantasy as well. Britt, welcome to the Family Times podcast. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. It's I started out listening to Fantasy Alarm and to be a part of the family now, literally. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to have you. We'll talk about some fantasy football with you, including some of your articles you have on fantasyalarm.com. No rest for the winners is what we say when you're part of the family. So when you're talking free agents, you've got quarterbacks, running backs out there that we got to focus on. But before we get to that, Vegas dudes, Vegas baby, what's up, Hallam? You look like you're in good shape after that conference. I uh, I think I slept about nine hours in the entire week, so if I'm doing okay, that's not too bad. I found my way, stumbled my way back to the, the hotel room at nightly, uh, <clears throat> avoided uh, the creatures of the night, uh, I might say, and yeah, you know, got back in one piece. It was a, it was a rocky ride home. Uh, but uh, happy to be happy to be back in the snug corner of New York. What about you, Sells? You have a good time and Daytona workout for you? It was a good time. Uh, I will say I got there late on Tuesday night, and then Hallam texted me. It was like, hey, we're down here hanging out. You should come down. And that turned into 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but I just want to throw a shout-out to Bob Long, who is a major partier. If anybody is consistently <laughs> good at drinking, because we get, you know – He's, he's a cool dude to hang out with. It was very fun to meet a bunch of people for the first time. Like Hallam, hadn't met him face-to-face. Howard Bender, John and Pemba. Like, it was pretty fun to hang out with those folks for the first time. Got crushed at the blackjack table. Like, yes. Yes, oh, my did. God. There was just. Quickly. There was I just death dealers at the blackjack table. <laughs> I yeah. heard about this, actually. I wasn't going to bring it up here. But, yeah, yeah I heard Scott that. Frankel, who is a professional blackjack dealer. Was complaining about the how often the the dealers were hitting crazy twenty ones. Like they hit seven card twenty ones with their eyes closed. It was ridiculous. Hey, that's why that's Vegas, man. That's that's why you gotta be careful. Brent, yeah. have you ever been to Vegas before? I've been once. What, what do you was... think? Are you are you into Vegas? Oh yeah. If I could afford to go more, I <laughs> I would go all the time. It's, I mean, booze, gambling. It's perfect. It's everything. It's fun. I always <laughs> say it's, it's better the, to go because I've done both when it comes to company work events versus leisure. And I'll say this. It doesn't burn as much of a hole in your wallet when you're going with the company. So you have a little bit of a protective shield there. But it's still it's a lot of fun. I've been there a couple of times as well. Britt, why don't we talk about how you got into the fantasy space? Because to be here, it, you got to be very passionate about sports. You know, why don't you just tell us, you know, about your favorite teams and just how you made it to this point? Because we're going to be hanging out a lot now that you're in the family. Yeah. So I joined my first fantasy league um, when my husband and I first started dating in 2013. I wanted to be in a league with him. I'm super competitive and I love football. So why not? Right. And so then I kind of got on Twitter and started following some analysts here and there to get some advice. And then I started yelling on Twitter because I am such a sports freak and um, just kind of talking about the Cowboys, especially. I know I'm another Cowboys fan um, in the Fantasy Alarm family. But um, then Ryan actually found me on Twitter and started following me. 
and reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in writing. So I wrote this, you know, 25,000 word whole recap and sent it to him. And then it just kind of went from there. I started cutting my teeth over at Fighting Chance Fantasy. And the more I learn, the more I want to do it. So it's just been, it's been super fun. Well, yeah, I mean, you certainly got to start with the passion, right? You're you're not going to get into fantasy if you're not passionate about sports to begin with. And then also learning all of the different nooks and crannies of how to get good at fantasy sports. So, um, you know, you're I've been uh, following you for a little bit on, on Twitter, reading some of your stuff over at Fighting Chance. And so it's just a pleasure to have you as part of the family and your stuff on FA has been very well received so far. So um, I would presume that that would continue because it's it's good stuff. No, Cells, she wants to put out bad content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Everybody loves putting out bad content. Yeah, right? seriously. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It, keeps, it keeps people from stopping asking you questions if you put out bad content. That's what I said. <laughs> that's how you do it? Man, Ryan, you're a grizzled veteran in the industry. <laughs> now, that's a nook I didn't know about. If I just put out bad content, I'll stop being there you go. That's questions. Yeah. That's what so, I'm putting to the family table today. Just put out crappy stuff. People stop asking you questions. Genius, genius <laughs> right here. Britt, let me ask you. Let's let's see if you have a better read than pretty much everybody else in the world on this situation. Aaron Rodgers. Okay, this is annoying. I have to go on these shows and I have to talk about it because everyone wants to hear about it. Obviously, big fantasy impact here when it wherever he goes because he clearly still has it. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers? Do you think that this whole saga is going to end? Is he going to retire? Is he going to end up mending fences with the Packers? Do you think he'll end up somewhere else? I mean, how are you reading this situation currently? Well, I do think that he's kind of being a bit of a drama queen. I think what he said <laughs> yesterday, he's he's already decided. Let's be real. He just wants this attention and he wants to drag it out and wants to be the topic of conversation for the next, you know, however many months. But I think that it's possible that he lands somewhere and it's really dependent on what the Packers do with Devontae Adams. Do they franchise tag him and try to keep him there and then like send a package deal to a different team or do they let him walk in free agency? You know, it's. I think it's really dependent on that situation. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and yes, I watched it because I thought something was going to happen there. He started out in the first 30 seconds saying no news was going to break, and then you could watch the streaming views from McAfee, which was at 150,000, drop like a rock because nobody, nobody cared. But he called his shot and said he wants Devontae Adams to get a long-term deal in Green Bay. So... It'll be interesting to see if that happens and does that have any effect on if if Adams doesn't get a long-term deal, is Rodgers gone? Because they're 40-something million dollars over the cap. So it's going to be pretty tough for them to give, uh, you know, Rodgers the uh, Drew Brees-type treatment where they unloaded the truck for him for two years and then underpay Devontae Adams to, you know, keep everybody in tow. So I think Rodgers is gone. I honestly do. I don't think he likes being in the uh, zero attention space of Green Bay. I think he wants out. And uh, I think he ultimately winds up in Denver, to be honest, because Denver has the picks they could deal. And what does Denver need? A quarterback. And then they're set. They're very good on defense. They have two, well, depending on if they keep Melvin Gordon, they have two good running backs, a you know, a bevy of good young wide receivers. 
So I think Rodgers winds up in Denver, to be honest. I hope he uh, falls down a flight of stairs, to be honest, and can't play anymore because I'm <laughs> tired of him and all this bullshit. Uh, I don't really care where he goes. I don't really care where he plays. And it, this has nothing to do with COVID and all like all that. This I don't. I didn't care about that. I just. I'm just so tired of him. He's just so stupid. He's such a baby. Like, oh, I don't want the attention, but I do everything that I possibly can to get as much attention as humanly possible. Just like, just stop. What are you, a 15 year old girl? Just go away. That's all. I, I don't care if you're MVP this year, which I don't know that he deserves. Uh, oh. He just chokes in the end every time. Uh, so, you know, I, yes, for fantasy, it's a story, and maybe I shouldn't have this opinion on this show, and I should just keep it to myself, but uh, I, I just am finished with him. I want to ask you, Britt, about a different quarterback in your article, and I think this one is really interesting, where he might land and if he gets a chance to start again. Because people saw little bits and pieces of Marcus Mariota over the past couple of years. For some reason, people still thought they should give him a chance after he was a complete disaster on the Titans. I never saw anything from him that I really liked. Uh, and, you know, the, the Raiders kind of use him as a gadget player here and there. He ran for some good plays. Uh, do you think he's got the goods to be a starting quarterback? And, and if so, uh, you know, where in the, the league might you see him land? I think he could start. I mean, definitely he wouldn't be a fantasy viable quarterback, but I think he's better than Mason Rudolph and Sam Darnold and some of these probably rookies who are coming in. So if a team's looking to get a developmental player, you know, draft a rookie, then bring Mariota in just to kind of be a stopgap for the next couple of years. I could see him in Pittsburgh. I could see him in Carolina. Um, I could see him possibly in Tampa Bay if they're still working to develop Kyle Trask. Um, there's, I don't think he's going to be long in this world for a starting position, but I do think he could be a starter for a couple years. I mean, Britt, I'm looking at your article and someone else that I want to ask about from, by the way, for those that haven't gone to fantasyalarm.com and checked out Britt's free agent articles, quarterbacks and running backs currently out right now as we're recording here on Wednesday at around 1 p.m. Eastern for context sake. But Britt, let me ask you about Ryan Fitzpatrick here because this is someone who I'm a huge fan of, not obviously as my fantasy quarterback, but I love drafting players that are involved and connected to him. And last year, as nauseating as it was for me, I went in on a lot of the artists nor formerly known as the Washington football team, now Washington Commanders. I went in on a lot of those players thinking that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be there just gunslinging the entire time and just throwing and throwing and throwing. Do you feel that he can land a starting job? I do. I think depending on how his rehab from that hip subluxation is going, but I think that it's going pretty well. I could honestly see him going back to Tampa. He did well when he was in Tampa. They've got the weapons. They've got the receivers. I, or the, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's got history there. I think he he's another one who could help develop Kyle Trask if they're still looking to develop him. He's got all that experience, I think, in nine different teams in his whole time here. So, yeah, let's do it. Play YOLO ball with Ryan Fitzpatrick for a couple more years. I mean, it's not it's not terrible, right? I mean, guy has been fantasy relevant for flashes of time over the last several several seasons. So I'm going to switch gears here and talk about your running backs piece that dropped. Um and what exactly you make of Cordero Patterson and his re, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a reinvention, resurgence, reemergence. Um, what do you think his fit is based on how Atlanta used him last year? 
So it was really hard for me to include him as a running back because he was used as more of a, a wide receiver and I still consider him more of a receiver. But since he's still technically a running back, I kept him in there. But if Atlanta loses Ridley, I think that they're very short on pass catchers and almost have to find a way to keep him as a receiving piece. But I don't like him as a running back. If a, a team is going to try to use him that way, I think they're looking in the wrong direction. I think the guy in your running back article that intrigued me the most is James Conner. Uh, you know, he left Pittsburgh, went to Arizona, kind of in a split role, and then had more of a role than we thought with the injury to Chase Edmonds. Looked fantastic, scored 15 touchdowns. Uh, still 26 years old, he'll be 27 before the season started, so it's not like he's you know hitting that dreaded 30-year-old at running back. Uh, how much of a resurgence do you think he had last year? Do you think he can go to a team – where he can be the guy, or do you think he's more fit for the role of a, of a, a committee with the, more of a pass-catching edge? I totally think he can be the guy. The I think that the only reason he wasn't really the guy in Pittsburgh was because of that terrible O-line in the situation, and he was just battered like play after play after play. That's why he suffered that shoulder injury repetitively. But I think if he goes to a team that can protect him and utilize him and kind of spell him, then, yeah, he's he can be a a running back one. I'm having a problem, everybody, and I need the family's help to solve this issue because I'm already looking at rankings for next year. I've already got the itch. I just, Brett, I was saying this to sales before. I want the season to start tomorrow. I've had my one month break. I'm ready to go. Let's start the season tomorrow. We can't even get baseball going at this point yourselves. Don't be mad at me. But Brett, and every and Ryan and Matt, I got to ask you about Javante Williams and in relation to Melvin Gordon here. I don't know where all of you stand currently, but I, I keep thinking for some reason, I keep thinking that Melvin Gordon is going to be back in Denver once again. I don't know why exactly. Maybe these articles that I are just giving, giving it some hope that it's going to happen, even though it's not to me from a fantasy standpoint. Are you at this time, if you're drafting, thinking that Melvin Gordon's going to be back, are you willing to, and I guess we could start with you, Britt, are you willing to pay the price point that it's going to command in fantasy for Javante Williams? Because I'd much rather spend, what, a late first or in second round pick on a guy who's going to have the backfield to himself. Yeah, in Dynasty, it's kind of a different story. I'm willing to pay up for Javante Williams, but in straight up best ball redraft, I'm wary of it because I think that Gordon did well enough last season to show that he still got it. And Denver has the cap space, especially if they bring in Aaron Rodgers. You know, they've got that added weapon. Like, why not keep a super, or a potential Super Bowl team run and put it together? So, yeah, I'm a little wary on Williams because I do think that Gordon ends up staying. Yeah, I mean, the coaches came out and said they think that Williams could be the lead back. But, like, the history there and the history of how the league is going towards running back by committee I don't think there's any chance that he gets the lead back role and if they could sign James Conner maybe for a little less money than it would take to re-sign Melvin Gordon I think you could see James Conner go to Denver too I mean it's just going to depend on who's the cheapest guy they can get and you know fill in but I don't think Williams is a is a lead back guy no matter what they come out and say in Denver I think it'll depend. I think there's so much up in the air in Denver. I mean, from the quarterback to everything else. So I think 
on February 23rd, it's kind of impossible to make this. But, I mean, they drafted him pretty high, and I'd say he had a pretty good year, especially towards the end when, when Gordon was out or iffy. Uh, so I don't know that they'll go out and try to get a Connor or bring Gordon back. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they try to bring in a lesser caliber guy. And even if they don't, I don't know. I, I like I really like what I saw from the kid last year. I really like the pass catching. So I, I'm going to be a little bit a contrarian of you guys on here. I, I think he's going to grow a little more into the role in 2022. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know what the ADP is off. I'm sure, Fancy, you probably have an idea if it's like third round or something like that. It might be a little stiff, but I, I do. I, I like him. And I think he's, you know, they didn't draft him to not use him. And, and I think that he uh, he paid off pretty well considering how much Melvin Gordon ran the ball. So uh, I, I like Javante Williams next year. Yeah, it's like I'm hoping I want to. I invested in him last year and I was taking him and I was debating in multiple drafts. Him, Miles Sanders, it was tough. But I'd much rather spend up without having to think that I'm going to have to go back in and make sure I get a three down back. And that's that's something that's like you guys said, it's a lot harder to come by. And something else that seems pretty tough right now is who the first overall pick. And that's something that I've been thinking about as well. And I've been talking to multiple analysts, some on our site, some on others. And it, it just seems like right now everybody is going the safety route with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if any of you, I mean, Britt, if you've given any thought to who that first overall pick would be next year, but I don't know if it's a consensus option. Yeah, I think JT is probably the most popular number one pick, but I don't know if it's actually the correct number one pick. If you look at running backs who have gone RB1 their subsequent years, they just don't hit that mark unless you're talking about like a CMC in a PPR league. I don't know. There's uncertainty surrounding Wentz and the quarterback situation in Indy. They might trade him away, and that just throws another wrinkle into it. So although I think that Taylor is probably going to be the consensus down the road, I'm not sure I would take him there. I actually will go Derrick Henry number one. I don't think that's ridiculous. No, no, no. He was injured. Let's let's put it this way. It took Jonathan Taylor, what, three weeks of Derrick Henry not being on a field for Jonathan Taylor to catch Derrick Henry in points? So, yeah, Derrick Henry's coming off an injury. That's the first time he's been injured that seriously, like, in his entire career. And he's still huge. He's still a huge dude who's impossible to tackle. So, And we saw that he did get targeted more in the passing game. It wasn't much, but he did get targeted more. So I would go Derrick Henry again, number one overall, because the volume you're going to get there is insane. And the guy has a ridiculous yards per carry. So I'm going to go Derrick Henry. I don't trust Christian McCaffrey at this point, no matter what underwater weightlifting routine he's doing now. Uh, Saquon Barkley's dead to me. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't think that's a first round pick. To get Saqu- first- How crazy is this? You're going to be able to get Saquon Barkley in the third round. Maybe if enough people sour on him, he drops to the early fourth. I don't see that. I think he stays steadily in the third. But I, I don't reason I don't to sour on him. Right? He hasn't done anything. He hasn't been fully healthy in three years. Their offensive line sucks. Their quarterback isn't great, and their wide receivers can't catch anything. Oh, <laughs> they and can't they, even stay on the field. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to see what the offseason holds for the Giants. I think they're due for a lot of changes, but as it stands right now, I think Barkley is a, is a reasonable third-round pick. But I, I could split the first overall with, with either person. I, I could see that certainly the, the case for Taylor. 
I don't know that Wentz leaving. I mean, they're not going to go Sam Ellinger as their quarterback. Like they're not going to get rid of Wentz and just use some trash pile that they have on their bench. They're going to use somebody decent. And the offensive line is so good. Uh, I don't really know how. It wasn't like Carson Wentz was was Joe Montana this year either. I mean, he was better than he was in Philly, but he still wasn't awesome. So I think Taylor is just he's going to get the most volume outside of Henry. Uh, he catches a lot of passes. He's got great breakaway ability once he gets to the open field. Uh, but it's impossible to argue with Henry either. Like Matt said, I think he was still top 10 in, in rushing and he didn't play the second half of the season. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm sure we're going to get another friggin' off season on Twitter. Oh, he's got so many carries on him. Uh, but that, I mean, I don't know how many more years we have to listen to that garbage before we see that it's not legit. And he's just, a, he's just a different dude. I'm sorry. He's right. just, He's built like a friggin' linebacker, and you just don't see running backs like that so much. You see cornerbacks decide, do I want to tackle this guy or not? And most of the time, they put no effort into tackling him. So he's just different, and he's gonna he can carry the ball 250, 300 times again this year, and it won't make a difference. Also, how long was Frank Gore viable? And everybody said, oh, that guy's dead, and then he keeps coming. He was a fantasy, you know, RB1 for arguably a decade. And right. Right. Here's something you said, Ryan, that I find very interesting. It's, you know, we I'm ho- hoping I am almost begging that we get that whole offseason Twitter if he can't sustain Derrick Henry, because oh, we now will. that we've had the injury. I think if you're in an auction and this is just my thought process here, I think in every dollar counts, I think you can get him Derrick Henry at 50 instead of 55, 60 with that mindset and paranoia going through everyone. Uh oh. He got injured now. Now he can't sustain. That can give us, and Brett, I don't know if you love auctions better than snake drafts, but I'm a huge auction guy. I love them so much when it comes to fantasy sports. I'm thinking in my head that this paranoia, now that we've had the actual reality with him getting hurt, I think we might be able to get Derrick Henry a first round, early first round caliber talent at 50 rather than 60 plus. I also think throw him out very early when people are a little uh, hesitant I'm with the pocketbook. Yeah. If so anybody's listening to this and they're in an auction slash salary cap draft with me and I'm in there with you and I have that first nomination, I am throwing him out there and I am going in. There you go. There's my strategy. I mean, Britt, do you like auctions? I've never played an auction, but I've heard. I know Don't it's just friends. never been. A, it's never been a thing, and so. Oh. But I've I've heard that they're great. So, and I never say no to leagues. So if I get the chance to do an auction, then I'm ninety nine point nine percent a yes. We uh, might have to do a family times listener league this year just yeah. so we could get Brit into the auction. I I'm not even I'm not even mad. I'm excited. I want I want to be there for your first auction. It's a it's a little bit more time. It's probably tack on. An extra 50, 60 minutes, but you have more control over your team's destiny. You want those two first round caliber talent. Doesn't matter where you fall. You can buy them and you can still get good value with dollar value players. I'm like sweating right now, guys. I'm you have a vein popping in your forehead right now. Because it's just I love I, I love having more know. control over my team's destiny and my investment in my team. So Britt, we're man, you just inspired us to have that listener league. So I we're going to have to think about that. That's for certain right there. I'm like foaming at the mouth from this conversation. Now, Let's ben, go. Who do you think who do you think goes for more, Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb always gets valued down a little bit in auctions because and I noticed this and for those that love <laughs> Nick Chubb, another good option to bring up right at the start. 
because Nick Chubb, there's always, especially when it comes to the PPR aspect of it, there's always questions surrounding him. So I've actually seen Nick Chubb in those auctions while I'm seeing McCaffrey go for 60 plus, Barkley 60 plus, Cook 60 plus. I was actually seeing Nick Chubb go for 40, which is an incredible, you would think an incredible serious discount. Right, exactly. And so he's that guy. So that I think Derrick Henry would still, but I'd I'd rather spend if I know I could get Derrick Henry for forty nine fifty dollars. I'd much rather than put that investment in there than go hiking up for Jonathan Taylor at sixty five. So we'll be able to talk a lot about that. But man, already putting a lot on the family table here, Britt. I know that you've been told we always bring something as a family to the family table. It could be anything you want for the most part. So what are you bringing to the table? Well, I just have to drop this interesting factoid. Um, being from Arkansas, I've, I'm a huge Arkansas Razorback fan. And yesterday on 2-22-22, Arkansas beat Florida at Florida for the first time since 95. But that's not the interesting stat. It's that J.D. Note had 20 points. The Hogs made 22 two-pointers. We got 22 points from the bench, and it was our 22nd win. I just thought that was the kind of interesting fact on 222-22. Sells, I could see you jonesing for a factoid. (laughs) Usually I'm the one dropping factoids. Right. That was was a pretty good one. Yes. Uh, That's a lot of twos. I mean, they say twos are wild in baseball when it's the top of the second and 2-2 and 2-2 count and two men are on and two out. But that factoid had more twos. That was crazy. And we won't have a 3-33-33. Nope. Not, not going to happen unless they expand the days somehow, which I don't know how that's going to happen either. So look at that dropping some facts about the number two after a big two Tuesday right there. Sells, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'm going to bring to the table that if you tweet that we don't have enough of somebody or that we should get more of somebody or you should stay off of somebody, please give freaking details. You have 280 characters now, and you have the ability to thread. Tell us why. Otherwise, I think it's just a hack job to either get attention or to lower the value so that you can go get more of them at a cheaper cost to get. I, like, this is this this is the time of year where everybody goes, oh, you don't have enough of this guy. Well, first of all, how do you know? Are you in every draft that I've been in? Are you in every mock that I've been in? No, probably not. How do you know that I value the guy the same? You don't. So tell me why you think I should have more of them. It's free. You know, if you want to drive people to an article, guess what? You have the ability to put a link in Twitter, too. I know it's a shocking upgrade for Twitter, but you can drop a little article to your blog or podcast or whatever. Give us details. Don't be like like just this morning. I've seen seven or eight of these freaking you don't have enough of Bob Jones or whoever the hell they're talking about. Tell me why. Please give me details. Like, that's the whole point. Don't call yourself an analyst and just go, you need more of X without giving me the Y. That's it. Simple request. Like, if you're engagement farming, guess what? Bringing up discussion points in a tweet is a real good way to farm for engagement. Take notes, Mr. Dave Klug. Uh, so I will just say, yes, no one has any real opinions. They just like to throw out things to get people to like or comment. And not, they don't have 
any reasons. They're just out there because apparently some people just feel like you need to tweet 24 friggin' 7, and I don't understand it. It's off-season. Just relax. It's like it never stopped from the second, like, the horn blew on week 18. It's just like a new line of BS started. Oh, and I can't take it. I know I, I, my, my time on Twitter has, has really <laughs> lessened in the last few weeks. Uh, Sorry for the laughing, but we're on video and I can see Fenstie's almost there. First of all, he has a hat on, which I've never seen him wear. And, and second of all, I muted that character, and I see more of his crap now, but after I muted him, I, don't, I hate that I follow people that like crap. So anyway, uh, I, <laughs> that's going to be hard to follow, but I'll change it and we'll get Fenstie riled back up. So we were talking just before the, the show started about Britt watching that game, and I used to be a Florida fan, so that stinks that they lost, but... Uh, Superstition as far as games, like you know, when the 49ers were in the, the playoffs, the first week, you know, I did wore a jersey and this and that and ate this and drank that, and then the next week I'm like, oh, I didn't drink out of a glass that didn't have a 49er logo on it the whole day. Like that was my thing. So the next day against Green Bay, or the next week against Green Bay, I'm like I didn't really do that. I didn't even think about it. And I was like, oh, and the game started. And I was like, oh crap, I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, of course they won anyway, as unlikely as that win that it was, but. So I just wanted to reach out and see what everyone else felt about superstitions about watching sporting games. <laughs> well, I will, I will jump in before Fenstey goes on a rant and say that in 2019, when the Nationals made the run for the World Series, in which Hallam and I didn't talk for like a week because he's a Cardinals fan, and obviously the Nats and Cardinals played each other in the uh, NLCS that year, uh, I stood in the exact same spot in my apartment with my arms crossed the whole time I just stood there the exact for every game I stood up every game in the exact like there were literally footprints in my apartment where I was standing to watch them uh, I won't wear team jerseys on the day that my team plays a big game because I'm convinced that if I wear it they're gonna lose uh I won't like for k-state every time I watch a k-state game they lose every single time like yeah, sure, they'll lose if I don't watch, too. But if I'm watching, it guarantees that they're going to lose. So, like, I won't watch games against KU because they have a better chance to win if I don't watch. So, yes, I'm superstitious. I'm also a baseball fan, so it kind of comes with the territory. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a full belief that if I had not stood in the exact same spot, we we would not have we would not have won the World Series. Because it was all me. It wasn't Howie Kendrick hitting a seventh-inning home run in Game 7 off the foul pole in Houston that did it. It was me standing in the same spot. I go down to see the Mets and the Cardinals every year. I'm a Cardinals fan. And uh, every year I go, and every year they lose. So the one year they were playing the Mets in the world, in the in the playoffs, and I did not go because I did not want to go watch my team lose a playoff game. So I passed on a playoff game because of my superstition about me going to the game, and they won that game. So there it's true. If I'm in the <laughs> building, they lose. And, Okay, Fenster, you have the floor. What do you think of this, Britt? Well, logically, I know that it doesn't help at all, but it's that placebo effect. If it makes me feel better, I'm going to do it. Um, When the Hogs made their Elite Eight run last year, it seemed like we started out every game behind. So I would stand on the coffee table so I was closer to the TV, and then we came back and won. So throughout the whole March Madness tournament, if we got behind, I would stand on the coffee table and we somehow ended up going forward until the Elite Eight and I didn't get on the coffee table. <laughs> and 
and we ended up losing. See, there you go. It's Brit's it's fault. Work. It's all us. It works. <laughs> That's the thing. You, everybody here, reads articles and recap articles. Does the headline say Brit Flynn? You know, or Florida loses. Brit Flynn doesn't get on coffee tables, so Florida <laughs> loses. No, it doesn't. It's why should we blame ourselves for something we have no control over? Why? It's not our fault when the athletes suck. It's not. There's nothing we can't. We can't do anything. You're a great fan. You're rooting for the team. You're supporting. You're keeping the dream of the franchise alive by supporting them. You're keeping ratings up, making sure that sports is in a safe space and haven and will always be able to access it. But it's not your fault if you're watching and supporting and they lose. Like, you're blaming yourself. It doesn't even make me mad. It just makes me sad and wants to say, like in Goodwill Hunting, it's not your fault. See, here's my question, Fenstey. Does it's this not come your from, fault, Sills. Does this come from rooting for teams that don't win all that often? <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with it, okay? <laughs> because you know what? Let me tell you something. You want to know what? I won't be a hypocrite. But my last two teams that had serious playoff runs, which were the 2015 Mets and the 2010 Jets, I Well, I guess not with the Islanders, taking the Islanders out of the equation for a second. So with those two teams, I did the playoff beard. Why do people do playoff beards? Superstitious. They didn't win. <laughs> they didn't win. The Lord up there knows that, Britt, I have zero championships of my four major teams. I have zero titles in 35 years on this earth. And they know up there that I would kill for a title at this point. I'll do the superstitions. What happened when I grew my stupid playoff beard that made me unattractive to my wife, even more unattractive? They didn't win. They disappointed. They let down. And I looked stupid. Okay? And it's not my fault. It's not your fault. And that's why, no, to answer your question, Ryan, I don't believe in superstitions in sports. And because of reasons like these. Maybe you didn't grow a good enough beard. You don't look like you can grow a good beard. No, I'm a bad, bad mustache. I look like I'm a Vaughn villain from the 1920s or something. <laughs> like you know why everybody does it? Because what is trans short for? Fanatic. And we're all fanatical about our teams. We all like to think we're part. Everyone here has said we in this show, even though we're not on the teams. <laughs> that's and it's just that's the greatness of sports is that, you know, you can walk and, and meet a complete stranger and if they happen to have a shirt on of the same team that you like you're instant friends and that's one to me one of the greatest parts of sports is to you know despite the fact we have nothing to do with it we all feel like we're in their trenches with them absolutely absolutely and, but let me play off that for mine what i'm bringing to the table here because you don't want to be too in the trenches where you get yourself in a legal situation enough with running on the field stop uh, stop running on the field why? It's not funny. It's not cool. Camera angles. I said this on the radio last night. There are a million camera angles. Now, they can pan to another angle or just hit number four on their production gizmo, and boom, you're not even on camera. It doesn't even exist that you ran on the field. What goes through people's minds when they run on the field? It's different when you're storming the court. You're part of, you're in college and you're storming the court. That's one thing. But in professional games where there's more security than ever, you're going to run in a Super Bowl. You're going to run on the field. I mean, stop with that. I understand that. But you got to be 
really just moronic because look, I'm sorry. I know that people get drunk and do that, but the way you see, if you watch videos of people running on the field with how fast they're running and everything, I, I don't know if with the direction that they have, if all of them are drunk and don't want a famous moment because I don't understand that. And it's got to stop. It's not cool anymore. It's not 1985. Didn't you know? Bills score a touchdown in the playoff game with a fan standing in the end zone? Was that the Chiefs Bills game or the Chiefs Bengals game? I don't I don't even know. There but... was one of the playoff games where there was literally a fan standing in the end zone when the... That was Antonio oh. Brown. I think that was Antonio Brown. <laughs> so, just just ridiculous. Just if you're thinking about it, if you're, you know, crazy and listening to us and you're like, ah, just don't don't run on the field, don't get arrested, and just be just be smart, okay, and be safe in the safety of others. Britt, thank you so much for joining us here. Britt Flynn, you can follow her on Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn, F-L-I-N-N, and all of her work at FantasyAlarm.com, especially with the latest free agent articles out there. Britt, I hope you had a great time, and we'll definitely have to have you back on. It was so fun. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. And, and Cells, it was good talking to you, man. Again, I meant to ask you this before. Everything went well with Daytona hearing all the little whispers that sells was very, very profitable when it came to the DFS NASCAR content. Yeah, I had a pretty decent weekend, not as big as last year's Daytona 500, but you can't win them all, um, especially Daytona. Um, you know, would have liked to have seen a last second pass there from this is going to jaw Edward Rouse because he's a huge Ryan Blaney fan. But uh, if Ryan Blaney had made that move uh, to if he had won, that bet would have played plus 1,200, which would have been nice. Um, but to all those who bet Austin Sindrick, congratulations on the plus 3,100 win that you had there. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll uh, keep the NASCAR content flowing. We got Auto Club this week, and it's going to keep going all the way till November with yeah off weekend. Yeah, Ryan, it was always good seeing you, man. I'm glad you came back safely from Vegas because, hey, wherever the party goes, I know Ryan Hallam is there. But in the city of sin, man, you're able to keep it together and hold it down, man. It's good seeing you again. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a touch and go there, here and there. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, made it back in one piece. Yes, and for everybody else out there, hey, there is no offseason, no rest for the winners. Make sure you're checking out the site. Hey, we're talking a lot of NBA futures as well. Again, our featured guest, Britt Flynn at Britt underscore Flynn on Twitter. Matt Sells is at the Sellsman. Ryan Hallam at Fighting Chance, and I'm at Fence D Sports. Always dominate, no other option. And as a family, as one all together, we will win. <laughs>